Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We're back. Live with more Anthony Harris on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Yeah, we love where Justin is right now. He's done a good job growing um, you know, in the interceptions, you know, keeping those down. You know, the sack totals, he's doing a good job with that. You know, having his eyes down the field, uh, he's done a wonderful job with that. You know, being able to uh, deliver some strikes down there. And he'll continue to grow um, as we grow this football team. Bears coach Matt Eberflus. Addressing some of the positives, some of the development that he's seen from his current quarterback, Justin Fields. And I, I believe that's all accurate. I 100% agree with that assessment of some of the improvements that the Bears have witnessed that I think we've all seen from Justin Fields. And it makes perfect sense that they're willing to say positive things about Justin Fields on a variety of levels. I'm Anthony here, my final hour with you here on The Score switch to some Cubs conversation in, in just a few short minutes here, but want to get some more Bears convo in because we heard so much from Bears brass yesterday and we hear from Ryan Poles less frequently than we hear from Matt Eberflus, but specifically on that topic of, of Ryan Poles, of Matt Eberflus being willing to, you know, I, I suppose speak glowingly, certainly speak positively of Justin Fields, of his development. I mean, they have eyes. They, they have seen the – the positive development, the growth that that he's had as Bears quarterback, in my opinion, it hasn't been enough growth of the consistency he's had as a passer to to have them decide to stick with him when they have the number one overall pick looming. So I, I do think it's more likely than not that they end up utilizing that number one pick on a QB. But I don't think the door is closed because the evaluation of the quarterbacks that they have access to in the draft is a part of that. And Ryan Poles has talked about that a bit. We played the clip earlier about how evaluating the person, what impact that ends up having on things as well. And I talked about Justin Fields, the quarterback, 
And the way the locker room, the way the players in the locker room have galvanized around him, how how publicly vocal Justin Fields' teammates have been in support of him, and in some ways just flat out saying, I mean, DJ Moore said it on this station, said it in the locker room, how just bringing some college kid in here really doesn't appeal to him. Now, in the end, if they do that, if the Bears decide that, then they'll, they'll get on board and they'll move on, and they, I think they're all professionals, and they realize what that ends up meaning. But I, I don't find that meaningless, and, and Ryan Poles even addressed that as well in, in saying that uh, in, he was asked about if, if the players wanting Justin Fields and, and what type of impact that ends up having on his decision. Ryan, how much do you take into account or should you take into account the, the seemingly endless support for Justin Fields that we perceive to exist in the locker room just from talking to players? Do you take that into account or do you have to separate that part? Um, I have to separate it a little bit, but I absolutely love it. I mean, when you talk about building a team, I want that type of support in our locker room. I want those guys to, when they go take the field, I want them to believe in the player that they have at that quarterback position. I want them to believe into the person to the right and to their left. So I absolutely love that. Um, with any decision, uh, I got to take the emotion out of it and, and, and look at the, the whole whole deal there. And I don't, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's just a part of the job that Ryan Poles has to take the emotion out of it. But he also is in a position where he needs to recognize how the emotion of it can impact the players in the locker room can impact the chemistry that's developed within the Bears locker room. One thing that Hub Arkish brought up with me when he was on with me a little while ago was the possibility of of the Bears still drafting a QB and keeping Justin Fields. That, to me, the, the thing I'm discussing right now, the vociferous support of Justin Fields' teammates and how public they've been about it. Now, again, it's possible. It can certainly happen, but I do think that it can end up making it more difficult. It can end up making it more sticky to bring a rookie quarterback into a locker room that has very publicly said, we don't think the Bears should draft a rookie. We think the Bears should stick with Justin Fields. And so if you have Justin Fields, and so I'm, I'm not worried about how Justin Fields would handle it. I think even with the whole Tyson Bajant saga where the city was a buzz because Tyson Bajant had a high completion percentage on screen passes, basically. Okay, Justin handled that like a pro. He handled that like a mature adult because he's a mature adult. And so I, I think if the Bears drafted a rookie QB and kept Justin Fields, we would continue to see him be mature and deferential and handle himself just like a – uh, you know, just like a mature adult because that's what he is. While at the same time, the locker room, the perception of things, the factions that can even quietly begin to develop there, that has the potential to erode what's now still in the process of being built. The, the Bears maybe have a foundation in place right now, but now you're getting into really putting bones of this thing into place. And as you're enhancing the structure you do want to make sure that the chemical makeup of your team has has every opportunity to continue to be sound. And I think at this point, because we've seen players be so public about it, and frankly, like I mentioned, that last home game, fans, a number of fans at Soldier Field that day being so public about their support and chanting the name of Justin Fields, I, I do think it's a risk that I don't find it likely the Bears would take the risk of that eroding the, the chemical makeup of things right now with where their roster is at in its development, 
where a rookie quarterback would be in his development. That that seems less likely to me now because the players have been so publicly just out there in, in support of Fields. So it, it's not a bad thing that they're very out there in supporting Fields with the door, in my opinion, still being ajar to maybe keep Justin Fields. And I, I think that the player support of it is a factor in that. That's what uh, Tyler just played you in hearing directly from Ryan Poles as well. But Ryan Poles did specifically talk about that possibility and, and whether or not it's something he would consider to keep Justin Fields and also go into the NFL draft and bring in a QB in the first round as well. Yeah, so my brain has gone crazy all year just thinking about the just a million different scenarios, uh, and I'm sure that's that's one of them. Um, I'll just stay very wide open with uh, the different paths that we can go, and as we collect information, if that close you know closes some of those um, those pathways down, then we'll do that. Move to the other ones, but I'm going to be wide open about this. He ain't doing it. I don't think it's going to happen. There, there was a, like I mentioned, there was a point during the season, especially early in the year, where I thought. It was still possible, maybe even plausible. It feels less likely to me because of the, the reasons that I'm that I'm referencing right there. It just it sets your not necessarily Justin Fields as much, but it sets your rookie QB up to be in a in a tough spot. Now, if you're just looking at it like we're going to move on from Justin Fields anyway, then I don't know, is that a scenario you really want to develop a rookie in with a quarterback in here that so many of his teammates and friends who he has been through the ringer with over the couple of years of going through the teardown and now the beginning stages of the rebuild. And so many of them have said that they want him to be the dude. Then you add another quarterback into the mix here. It, it, it can make for a pretty sticky situation. I think Fields himself would handle it really well, just like Hub mentioned. But I, I do think that the perception of things and the additional scrutiny that would come with that would be a tough spot for a rookie. It would be an unnecessarily tough spot to put a, a rookie first round pick into with a, you know, with Justin Fields having the locker room have his back in the way that they have here. So it does seem pretty unlikely to me at this point because of how public the, the locker room has been in support of Justin Fields. And again, if they do move on from Justin, I think they'd all get behind the rookie at that point. But having them both in here, I think it, it just put people in an awkward spot that's really not necessary for the Bears to put folks in. The job security of Matt Eberflus. Has, has certainly been a big topic in that as well, and especially as it relates to the development of the next quarterback, whether that's Justin Fields or others. But, you know, especially if the Bears move on from Justin Fields and bring in a rookie QB, we saw the Bears do it with Mitchell Trubisky. We saw the Bears do it with Justin Fields, where they're in a quarterback who ends up being in the final season. Like, I prove it, win now year, and you get a rookie quarterback in here. There's all this pressure to play the rookie. And then the rookie plays and struggles, and the team doesn't win at a high level, and then your coach gets fired, and then you got a year two guy who's in here with some new regime and all these other things that, you know, for a franchise that's still searching for consistency, searching for greatness, quote-unquote, at quarterback, that also would be an unnecessarily tough spot to put someone in. But Bears decided to keep Matt Eberflus. It is a developing team. It's a team that showed improvement down the stretch in the second half of the season. Some of these self-inflicted wounds that were there, Matt Eberflus, to the Bears' liking, did navigate those well enough. But Ryan Poles was specifically asked about Matt Eberflus and, and his decision to go ahead and keep his head coach. All of our jobs is to collect information throughout the entire season. That's on player, staff, uh, support staff, everybody. Um, but 
what I pride myself on and really pride our whole organization on is we take this step after the season to let the dust settle, let the emotions get out and make the most sound decision that you possibly can make. So that's that's what we did uh, over the last few days is just making sure we settle down, look at the big picture and, and make sure that we're going in the right direction. So the right direction is a subjective thing, of course, but winning games second half of the season, that matters. That shows definitive improvement. The Bears as a whole will need to if if the direction many of us believe is, is going to play out here and if they move on from Justin Fields, Justin Fields goes on, I think he'll end up being successful in a different situation somewhere else. But is there enough greatness that's been shown, that's been nourished, nurtured? Probably not. But that being said, spend a few minutes giving you some thoughts on some of these other quarterbacks in the draft before we take a time out and transition into some Cubs conversation. The the quarterback that is beyond, that is behind Caleb Williams, for the most part is viewed as Drake May out of North Carolina. I think Drake May is a really talented passer. You know, he, he doesn't have the ball on a string, as I would term it, in the same way that Caleb Williams does, but he's a bigger guy with a big arm, and he is mobile. He can extend the play. He can do things off script. I watched him very closely doing that against a, a talented Minnesota Gophers defense earlier in the regular season. Broken down some film on Drake May beyond that. For his size, he's a very mobile quarterback. He's more than willing and able to operate off script. Um, and beyond that, I think the just the sheer horsepower of his arm is impressive as well. He is a guy to me that's not sort of this, this can't-miss type of prospect that thrives in every scenario. But as he goes through the draft process, there'll be a number of teams very impressed with Drake May. And frankly, here in Chicago, where Caleb Williams hasn't really been a guy who's consistently had to play in cold weather. I think between the two, Drake May might be a guy just from the evaluation of coming here into Chicago once you get into November and December and playoff months and whether or not just his stature and the horsepower of his arm and his style of play really suits being a cold weather quarterback. Drake May is the guy who might more naturally suit that than Caleb Williams, who's operated most frequently in warm weather environments throughout his amateur playing days up to this point. Jaden Daniels is a guy that I would probably have at number three between those those prospects, a really impressive guy uh, on and off the field, but he played a lot of college football and got better every season of his college football career. And what we saw at the end of his time there at LSU this past season where I voted for him to win the Heisman Trophy over Michael Penix Jr. I had Penix at two. Uh, I had uh, Jaden Daniels at number one. Because we saw the full combination, the full arsenal of the skills of Jaden Daniels on display as both a runner and a passer. There was enhanced nuance to the way he could throw the football that we saw over his couple of seasons operating in Brian Kelly's offense and especially this past year. Just historic levels of production in combining the way he could pass and run the football. And in the modern NFL, you're seeing more and more teams with a willingness to have the legs of the quarterback, just like you've seen me talking about and heard me pounding the table for how the Bears should have had that as more of a called part of their offense with Justin Fields here as a quarterback. But Jaden Daniels, I think there is every possibility he will thrive in the National Football League for the way he combines both the arm talent and the athletic traits of mobility that can be a big part of the offense and what he adds. In a different way, Caleb Williams, Patrick Mahomes style will extend the play to pass. Jaden Daniels can do that. But Jaden Daniels, in a, you know, not as 
straight line speed. And he, he won't be the pure runner that Justin Fields has been able to turn into in the NFL. But, man, he, he can take off and get it. And he, he will be able to hurt defenses with his legs on a frequent basis. And that, that multidimensional aspect of his game is like very few other players in this draft cycle. Michael Penix Jr. going through the college football playoff process. And, you know, he's a guy who, you know, like I mentioned, I had him at number two in the Heisman. And he's one of these examples of a guy who's grown so much throughout his collegiate career. The time he was at Indiana, in Bloomington, and, uh, you know, helping that program to some of the better seasons they've had in recent memory while Tom Allen was still their head coach. And, uh, you know, he just dealt with a lot of injury issues. He tore his knee up a couple of different times, had a couple of upper body injuries as well. In four years with the Hoosiers, he never was able to complete a season healthy. And so that's an unfortunate part because then he went out to Seattle with the Washington Huskies and kind of, you know, he didn't necessarily follow Kalen DeBoer out there. But once he got there in Kalen DeBoer's offense, he flourished and led them to a national championship game appearance. And, you know, I love his deep ball. He throws a gorgeous deep ball, maybe the most consistently accurate deep ball, especially in the pocket within structure. Just hit that back foot and let it rip. Man, he throws a beautiful deep ball. So that, that's fun to watch. He does have enough mobility to extend the play, but it's not a big part of his game. He's not going to consistently take off and hurt defenses with his legs, picking up first downs and long touchdowns, but he's capable of it. He's mobile enough for it. Uh, but he's a guy, especially with the deep ball accuracy, that can really get that done. He's good on the intermediate passes also, and he threw the full route tree in the offense that Kalen DeBoer had in place. I do think J.J. McCarthy is, is going to be a well-regarded NFL prospect if he comes out in this cycle. He's, I, I believe he would benefit from another. He would greatly benefit, more so than any of these other quarterbacks I've mentioned so far. J.J. McCarthy, in my opinion, would benefit from another year of college football. He just hasn't thrown the ball as frequently as the rest of these guys, and that, that shows up. It showed up in the inconsistency of Michigan's passing attack this season. I love his pro potential. I think if he came out this year and was drafted by someone who wanted to develop J.J. McCarthy, that'd be a great spot for him. But if he came out this year, and I've talked to you know a couple of NFL guys who feel like, man, this guy could end up being a top 10 pick after teams fall in love with him because he is so impressive off the field. And he does have the requisite physical traits that, that are worthy of that type of top 10 pick consideration. He just doesn't throw the ball well consistently enough. There's highlight reel passes, especially early in the season when Michigan was controlling games at a high level. Second half of the year, and especially down the stretch, when they played Penn State's defense, Ohio State's defense, Iowa's defense, Alabama's defense, even in the college football playoff national championship game against Washington's defense. J.J. McCarthy didn't really throw the ball consistently that well with accuracy and rhythm and timing. It's in him, and there's clips of it from this season more so the first half of the year than the second half. So, you know, I do believe J.J. McCarthy will end up being a successful professional quarterback. If he came out this year, there's just going to be a lot less reps of him throwing the ball under duress in leverage situations. I I believe he would benefit from one more year. And frankly, a year from now, I I would be surprised if he's in the discussion to be the number one overall pick in the draft if he plays one more year of college football. So that's kind of a brief synopsis of where I see the quarterbacks beyond Caleb Williams in this current draft cycle because there's a lot to like about a lot of the guys who the Bears are in the process of considering right now. Cubs are finally making some moves, and we got Cubs convention 
some version of it that's coming up here. Let's take a time out, come back, get into some Cubs convo with Lance Brozdowski of Marquee Sports. We'll do that next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. Cubs convention. Begins tomorrow. Looking forward to that. Figure we give you a little precursor. Let you know what you need to tune in for, be ready for. The man who I would imagine will be there in person is Lance Brozdowski. He's a player development analyst analyst for Marquee Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Lance Braz. Lance, how are you this evening? I'm doing fantastic. How about you, man? I am excellent. Appreciate you taking the time to join me on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline. And with Cubs convention coming up, it does seem like there is some news. There are some transactions that are beginning to trickle in at this point. And with the, I suppose, patience, it's maybe been tested a bit for Cubs fans after not getting Otani and all the, the hopes that were sort of wrapped into that. Would you say that now that we do have, you know, Imanaga and some others who have been brought in by the Cubs here, is this a, a level of activity that you think will have some additional kind of fervor and excitement that will feel satisfactory going into CubsCon? No doubt, yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, it, it almost seems to me like a lot of it was based around Shota Monica's posting window, which closed uh, yesterday, or today, actually closed today, but he was obviously signed yesterday. I, I feel like it almost seemed like the complexity of the contract they ended up signing with the Cubs and some other things that a lot of the Cubs offseason was perhaps focused around this, such that it was slow until they actually got him. And then you immediately see the trade today with the Dodgers for Michael Bush. And I imagine the fervor will be because there is, they're probably not done. There's probably more to come. I don't necessarily know if it'll come this weekend, but 
I think you have some of the big names from Boris, like a Bellinger and some others potentially involved. And then I also think they still need some pitching. I know Hod, if he was not 670 a bit ago and said they want a starter and two relievers. And it seems like they got the starter and I bet we're waiting on the two relievers. So the fervor will be because there's more to come, which is pretty exciting. Now, where in the rotation is, where is a good spot? Where is Shota Imanaga most best situated to be in a rotation? And where do you think with where the Cubs staff sits at right now, is that where he'll be, or might he be a little bit higher in the Cubs rotation with how things are currently structured? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how they specifically deploy him. You know, I feel like spring can always unravel those questions. I think we're always off figuring that out. But I was looking at it more from a standpoint the other day on Marquis from who will produce the most value as a pitcher in this coming season. And thinking about that from the perspective of, okay, Steele's probably at the top there. And then I put him on again number two. I, I thought that the upside there was nice enough to put him right in that window. I don't think Tylen's going to repeat a 470 RA or so. He's obviously going to come down. I think he'd be the third in terms of most value produced. And then Hendricks is probably in the four area. So I, I'm pretty hopeful that you look back at the end of the season and you have, you know, 140, 150 plus innings of a league average of better ERA. And, you know, I think, again, the range of outcomes on a guy like this, adjusting to the Major League Baseball as opposed to the NPB ball, pitching on a different rest schedule, acclimating to – you know, American culture, like there's so much there in terms of the variance that it, it can perhaps it goes a little rocky to start. But I also think there's the potential that you end up in a situation like the Mets did with Kodai Senga, where they paid him $14 million a year, a, a average annual value. And then he goes up and puts up an incredible second half. And one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball ends up getting Cy Young votes. And I, I that's the upside of it, right? It, it's in that same window where we're just not entirely sure how some of the stuff's going to translate. Definitely some hope, splitter, nasty fastball slider. It's, it's a good mix. I, I think at the end of the season, we'll look back and see he's produced, produced the second most value among starters on the team. And the, the structure of the deal itself uh, seemingly has some complexity to it, I suppose, and opt-out language that could be exercised by either side, just sort of depending on a few different thresholds. So uh, how much creativity went into setting this deal up in a mutually beneficial way? Yeah, it seems like there definitely was some creativity. It almost seemed to me like the creativity was more team-friendly, though. I, I thought initially when they said the, complex, the contract was complex, some of the reporters on the beat of it were – I thought that maybe pertained to him specifically, like Imanaga, as opposed to the Cubs side. But from my perspective, I see this as more team-friendly. I see it almost as like a three-year trial period with him. And then if they see if they see that he's produced incredibly well, then you have the ability to convert it into five years at a slightly higher uh, total dollar amount. So it's almost like protecting themselves against the fact that maybe if they gave him a player option after three years and he dominated for three years, then he'd hit the open market and get even more money. They're almost saying, you know, we want the ability to get out here if how we project you to actually play on the field is a little lower. And also, if you end up being much better than we think, we want the ability to convert it and get you at a relative discount. So, and it's it's also fascinating that it sounds like I don't remember. I might have been Jesse Rogers from ESPN mentioned that um, he's been in uh, Chicago since Christmas, which is fascinating to me. I can't believe no one recognized me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was surprising to hear that he's just been sort of you know somehow sidling around the city, being unnoticed at this point with some of the fervor that's been out there about the potential to acquire him. Uh, third base, uh, there's been uh, a, a bit of uh, some fervor about whether or not the Cubs would end up going to get a third baseman. They were able to do that by acquiring Michael Bush and bringing him in. How would you assess where Michael Bush is at in his career and whether or not that solidifies the Cubs at third base? 
Yeah, I actually don't think he's going to end up being a third baseman for them. I think he ends up sliding in at first. I, the reports that I've gotten from evaluators and talking to other people basically told me that he's not a particularly great defender. Now, could he become a good defender? Of course. You know, like I wouldn't be totally surprised if he comes out and makes some improvements. He can never kind of put things past guys. I think in the offseason, we're kind of in the dark for like four months on what guys are working on. Um, so, I, I, you know, right now, based on the history we have, based on the people I've talked to and that have seen him play, he's not a great defender. So I think he'll end up at first base. Despite that, the contact quality is incredible. It's fantastic. He's got a really, really good approach at the plate. I think that's probably the key thing that jumps out to me. He's really good what you call like swing decisions in the hitting space is the ability to kind of swing in the zone where you do damage and then lay off pitches outside of the zone. Uh, basically chase for the most part. That differential is really strong for him. At AAA, he put up some great stats, sub-20% strikeout rate. He was walking over 10% of the time. And we didn't see it translate at the major league level, but again, I, I, I don't overreact to small samples at the major league level for hitters. It sometimes takes guys a bit just to adjust. I think you need, sometimes you almost need a full season before you can really kind of gauge what kind of player he is. Um, but I, again, the track record at AAA is so strong that it's, it, this is a bat play to me. They're getting him because he's a solid hitter. I almost think it's a bit of a win-now move, I, the more I've thought about it. I think initially I was a little bit hesitant because I really like Jackson Ferris, and I'm always worried about the, what the Dodgers are going to be able to do to young starting pitchers in terms of making them better. They're acquiring him, I would imagine, because they like specific things about him and they know how to create a better pitcher than he currently is. So maybe we're looking back at this in four years and going, man, I can't believe we gave him up. But at the same time, you're getting a player that right now slots in and impacts your team offensively. And we'll, I, I, I'm very confident with being above average hitter. Um, but it does leave some question marks in terms of where he will play. Is this at first baseman? Is it a DH? Sure, you can kind of slot around the infield, but I, I just don't necessarily think it's going to be an impact love anywhere. So I don't think third base is solidified unless you look at it from the perspective of this just solidifies morale and the fact that he worked at third base in the offseason in the Dominican Winter League, and potentially he's the guy that slots in at third. They give him the chance, and hopefully he's he's better than average defensively. I'm so glad you brought up Christopher Morrell because I I just tend to veer on the side of of development of young talented individuals, and Christopher Morrell is both young, and very physically gifted. Had some big hits for the Cubs last season, and I I just. I err on the side just in, in my evaluation of things of thinking, man, if, if you've got someone in-house and a homegrown talent that can potentially become something excellent for you, then why be quick to move on? And it would strike me with the, all the talk of Chris for Morell as potentially trade bait. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the desire would be to that unless you could have something long-term that you're bringing in that could be a piece of a, of a championship puzzle for you. Where do you see the, the potential future of Christopher Morell and how likely do you think it is that they may move on? Yeah, I, I, I was never super fond of those rumors um, just because I, I followed him when he was down at double A. I actually did his first English language interview, which oh. is probably floating around the internet somewhere. And, uh, He's just such a special human, I think, on top of the fact that he's a really good ball player. And I really enjoyed I, I just I always hesitated to think that they would just move on so quickly from him. He's really young. He does everything from an advanced metric standpoint at the play that you want. Probably chases outside of the zone a little too much, but I think that's something you can potentially develop with age and more reps against major league pitching. So I, I love him from an offensive standpoint. I also think that a guy who is able to play, even if it's a slightly below average, say center field, or even third base or some of these other positions, I think that is something that defensive statistics don't do the best job of accounting for from a versatility standpoint, where it adds a little more value than saying he's below average at four spots. It's like, well, 
he can play four spots. So I, I'd almost take a guy who's like average is slightly below at four spots. Center field is very hard to be average at. You know, like that's a, a heavily valued position from an up the middle defensive standpoint in Major League Baseball. So I, I really like Morrell. I think that again, it's, it's a matter of time. I think this team is going to have a little more patience with him than perhaps some of the rumors have suggested. I, I don't necessarily see him as a guy they'd move on really quick from. I get they have depth and it's at the position that he will probably end up slotting in at. Drafted Matt Shaw, this most recent first-year player draft from Maryland. He's a guy that'll play third, maybe some outfield, and kind of in the same mold as a Morrell. He's also a really good hitter, different kind of hitter. You have a guy like James Triantos, who's a little younger. He was a high schooler drafted in 21. That's another name that, again, probably plays some third or second along those lines, probably more of a second baseman, in my opinion. So you have a lot of guys in the infield, and the, the prospect that of, the, of the Cubs specifically is interesting. And again, we saw them move on from a guy like Ferris. I expect maybe some of these other names to be moved in the next couple of years, as opposed to a guy like Morrell, who's already at the major league level. The Shoney has value as 20 plus homers. Like I, I, I don't necessarily see them moving on from that. I think he's a little bit too versatile, and they'll have a little more tolerance for him at third. I really think there's potential for him to be a 40 home run guy. I know that that's a big big mountain to climb there, but I, I just love he, – he's just kind of got easy pop off his bat. I love his eye oh, yeah. like you talked mm-hmm. about too. I, I don't know, man. It's just it, – to me, yes, I, I agree. It would be quick to move on from a guy with those physical gifts at the age and the space he's at in his development. You, you did mention center field a moment ago, Lance, and that, that certainly mm-hmm. led my mind to Cody Bellinger and what happens there. I feel like maybe you referenced a little bit earlier some news that could happen even during Cubs convention, possibly? What do you think happens with Cody? <laughs> I didn't mean to allude to that. I don't really have an inside information. <laughs> I might have slipped my tongue there. But, no, I mean, it's clear that they're interested. And then you look at any of the reports from Heyman or I, I don't know if Patton's room in it, but any of the big guys are saying that the Cubs are in the mix on him. He's a fascinating case, and I think other people have written about it as well. I've done a video on it on my YouTube channel where – you know, he's a guy who had an amazing season with the Cubs. It was unbelievable in two-strike counts. And yet some of the underlying data doesn't necessarily think that it's something that will be fully repeated in this coming season. And I think the Boris camp is more looking at it like, yes, it will be, so you need to pay him in line with that and give him a multi-year, five-year-plus contract that is it suggests that what last year, what happened last year will continue in these next four or five years. And I think almost most front offices are probably looking at it a little more you know, not as confident or at least building in some risk that some of the do strike stuff doesn't carry over, that they don't really like how hard he was hitting the ball, et cetera. There's, there's elements of that in there. You can overperform some of the expected stats if you pull the ball a ton. He wasn't really a guy that was pulling the ball a ton. He was kind of laying into that left center field area of Wrigley that, that worked for his swing really well. And it was also one of those parts of the park that is relative to other, other stadiums allows for a lot of home runs. So his swing worked really well. He obviously clicked with a guy like Dustin Kelly, the hitting coach. So I, I think the Cubs potentially have a little more kind of confidence maybe than other organizations as to what he changed and whether going forward, it's something that they think will be repeatable this 2023 season. That was great. I just, I don't necessarily think the market there is as strong potentially as maybe Boris and co thought. I, I, that's again, just purely a thing that I think from looking at, the reading the tea leaves, so to speak, and looking at some of the advanced stats. I just, it's t- you're going to have to get one team to just buy into what he did and accept the fact that basketball is, is what he's going to do going forward. And again, I think the Cubs could do that. I just, I, it's a matter of the price here. I, I'm not entirely sure. You know, maybe the Cubs are at one number and maybe in two weeks another team comes in at a much higher number. And it's just like, yeah, we're, you know, we've convinced ourselves or I don't know, we're looking at it differently or like, 
you know, I, I don't know, maybe there's some recalculation that happens with another organization, but he still feels like the best fit in Chicago. So I, I, my expectation is that he's back. But again, that's not really based off any inside info. It's just kind of a gut check. Um, but I, I don't think the market's going to give him like 250 million plus, or I, I don't even know. I mean, I, I might be brash to say sub 200 million, but I, I think it'll be right around that area. I don't think he's getting like the 250 plus that was initially rumored. I trust your gut, Lance Browsdowski. He's the <laughs> player development analyst for Marquee and our guest here on the Score Hotline, presented by Circus Sports Illinois. One last one before I let you run, Lance. Uh, Craig Council, he will be at his first Cubs convention, and we've at least seen him address the public. He's been on this station and around town a little bit, of course, but now the masses will be able to have their opportunity to to glad hand a bit with Craig Council. What do you think tomorrow and the Cubs convention will be like for the new Cubs manager? I think it's going to be great, yeah. I, I got a chance to say hi to him at the winter meetings very briefly. He seems like a really sharp guy. He's actually like, I told him my title, and he was like, player development analyst. And he kind of like looked at me funny. He's like, I don't really know what that means. Like, what do you, does that mean you cover the minor leagues? And I was like, exactly, yeah. He's like, oh, okay, cool. So it's a funny interaction. He seems like a really nice guy. You know, I have some contacts in the Brewers organization and talking to them. They loved him. So, I mean, again, that was a crazy move when it happened, and we, we had to wait a while before we got another move. But uh, I, I'm excited to see how he interacts with fans. I know he has a really strong relationship with Boog as well, and I think Boog will be on uh, set with him. Uh, doing that Cubs convention interview. So I, their rapport is fantastic in the in the small interactions I've seen between the two of them. So I imagine that's going to be one of the more sought-after uh, moments of Cubs convention for sure. I'm, I'm fascinated to see that that early morning, 9 a.m. Saturday with, with uh, Carter and uh, Jed. That's one that I'm curious about. I don't – you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious to see how, how they receive, number one, but also – just, I think they've done a good job. Like, I think that two weeks ago, everyone thought that we we're going to get booze, right? And now we're in a spot where I, I think everyone's pretty satisfied with the moves they've made, and the expectation is there's more to come. So I'm, I'm curious to see if they allude to anything and whether they suggest they're not done and they have more moves in them. I, I'd love to hear something like that. But again, I'm, I'm not really sure what they're going to drop, but that's one that I'll definitely be tuned in on. That's, uh, that's the first thing on Saturday morning, I believe. But for Council, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to go over really well. I, he seems like a really likable guy, and everything I've heard has been really positive. Well, I will certainly be watching closely on the Marquee Sports Network and listening as Craig Council will join our shows right here on The Score. Lance, really appreciate you taking the time this evening, man. Enjoy yourself this weekend. You too, man. Thanks a ton. That is Lance Brozdowski, player development analyst for the Marquee Sports Network. You will see him on their coverage throughout the weekend of Cubs Convention, and you will hear plenty of coverage of Cubs Convention and from CubsCon right here on The Score. So we're mentioning some of the Hall of Fame coaches who have, uh, for the moment at least, ridden off into the sunset. Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll. I've got a story uh, about my interactions with one of these Hall of Famers at a certain point in his development that I would love to close the show with. I will do that next. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. It's a good conversation. Previewing some of the acquisitions, some of the hopeful potential future acquisitions for the Cubs as they head into Cubs convention this weekend. It's good to have that conversation as, you know, we are in the, uh, the early stage of 2024 and in the winter months, but a lot of excitement can begin to brew about your Chicago Cubs. It was good to have that convo. As I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, we had some, some Hall of Famers who have at least, uh, I guess, each case is slightly different between Pete Carroll seemingly being ushered to the side by the Seattle Seahawks. They have, at least for the moment, given him kind of a front office position within their franchise, but he didn't necessarily sound like he had every interest of just kind of sitting down and going and riding off into the sunset. Bill Belichick seemingly ushered to the side by the New England Patriots as well, and that's obviously a fairly tricky circumstance when you have uh, – likely will go down as the greatest coach of all time in the history of the National Football League. And uh, Bob Kraft and the Patriots just said, all right, we're, we're good. You know, this, is, uh, this has run its course, if you will. And then you have Nick Saban, mostly on the collegiate end of things. I mean, if, if Drew Brees would have been able to pass his physical with the Miami Dolphins, you do wonder a little bit what the professional exploits of Nick Saban would have been like if he would got a, a healthy Drew Brees there with the Miami Dolphins, but he did not. And so, uh, you know, he won a few games and then went back the collegiate route and the rest, uh, as they say, of course, bit history there in Tuscaloosa. But Nick Saban actually, when he was at Michigan State, and when I was coming out the University of Iowa and, you know, kind of had uh, Iowa, Michigan, and Michigan State were the final three teams that I had it narrowed down to in my recruiting journey in the the mid to late 90s and really my final two came down to Iowa and Michigan State and at the time Hayden Fry was at Iowa Nick Saban was at Michigan State and the negative recruiting that that different schools ended up using the negative recruiting against Hayden Fry was that he was in his late 60s at the point at that point in time and you know everyone was saying that all right well you don't want to go to Iowa because Hayden Fry is going to retire you know you don't want some coach who's going to not even complete your time in college and have to switch coaches and move on and do whatever else. You don't want to go to Iowa. Hayden Fry's getting old. He's going to hang him up. The negative recruiting against Michigan State at the time was that everybody was trying to tell me Nick Saban was not going to be in East Lansing throughout the, the full scope of my career there either because he had already been an assistant in the National Football League. He had worked with Bill Belichick in Cleveland, been a DB coach with the Browns, and been well-regarded in, in that way. Uh, DB coach and defensive coordinator with the Browns and well-regarded. So they figured, you know what? We all know Nick Saban wants to go back to the NFL. He's not going to be there your whole time in college. Don't waste your time going to Michigan State. Really, in both cases, both Hayden Fry and Nick Saban, neither one of them was at the respective university my whole time in college. Hayden Fry retired after my second year at Iowa. Nick Saban did not go back to the NFL after when he left Michigan State first. He actually went to the – LSU Tigers would won a national championship there and then went back to the NFL. But it was something else being recruited by Nick Saban. He was talking about all the, the process and 
all the other stuff that he became synonymous with, that the nation began getting introduced to once he started winning national championships. All the same things were there as a part of his recruiting pitch back in 1996 when he was showing up at Bolenberg High School watching me dunk on folks in basketball practice way back when. But it, uh, it became far more successful when he went to LSU and Alabama and became the greatest college coach of all time. It's a debate I was having a little bit on my, uh, my Big Ten radio show this morning. Which guy was really, if you're just saying, the greatest football coach of all time? I guess you could throw Bear Bryant in that conversation too, but whether it was Nick Saban for the run he's put together at LSU and Alabama or Bill Belichick for what he's been able to do with the New England Patriots, hard to really discern between the two. And, of course, Pete Carroll winning championships at both the collegiate and professional level. Now Jim Harbaugh, as he said, can sit at the big person's table after a national championship with the University of Michigan. So a lot of impressive coaches enhancing their resumes. In Jim Harbaugh's case, stepping away from their resumes in the case of uh, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick. I did check in with my old ball coach from Iowa, Kirk Ferentz, who was there my last two years after he took over for Hayden Fry. Just making sure, like those are a couple of his cohorts. He was on that Cleveland Brown staff with Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Just checked in like, hey, you're not, uh, you're not stepping away or anything. Anything I need to know? He said, nope, didn't get the memo. And he's very close with both Saban and Belichick. But uh, Kirk told me he doesn't golf. He's got nothing better that he would prefer to do. So he plans on continuing with the University of Iowa. I appreciate all of you sticking here with me throughout this evening. My thanks to Trey Wingo, to Hub Arkish, to Lance Brzezdowski. We're talking some football and some baseball, a little preview of Cubs convention as well. My thanks to my guy Tyler Butaball for being on the ones and twos for me throughout this great night. And my thanks to you. Appreciations and salutations for always listening in to Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Where do you go from here, Aaron? Home. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 